Hello, everyone. This is the Way of the Wayfarer podcast. I'm Rodrigo, and with me is Perry Keeve, college ministry minister at the Columbia Church of Christ. Perry was his mom's favorite son <laughs> up until his sister was born. <laughs> Fact that has crippled them with a deep sense of rejection and has numbed all of his feelings, which is a perfect segue into our topic today. Which today we are talking about joy. All of his facts about me are semi-true. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning mostly false, but kind of true. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yes. So, Perry, uh, I actually been really, I, I have been mulling in my head mm-hmm. how I want to have this conversation. And actually, this uh, particular topic that we're covering, we're sort of, sort of doing it backwards in that I usually do a lesson before we have a conversation. Sure. For uh, many reasons this week, I had a really hard time doing this. So we're having this conversation before the lesson is together. Mm. And I have all the ideas in my head, but I think this is going to be very useful because you're going to help me refine yeah. my idea. Some good organics here. Yes. But let me be very honest as to where this is coming from because uh, I think honesty is a good policy and an expectation from the Lord. Uh <laughs> Because uh, really what what, uh, sort of led me down the path of wanting to do a lesson about joy is the way that, generally speaking, the topic of joy is presented. Because I feel like, uh, uh, obviously, and we're going to end, just spoiler alert, uh, we're going to end this podcast uh, on Philippians 4.4, which Mm. many of us are familiar with. And basically that says like, hey... I'll say it again. Right. Rejoice, Rejoice in the Lord always. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, we are going to end on that. I have no problem with uh, Paul saying that. Right. But I do have uh, uh, an issue with how we talk about this concept because I feel like a lot of times there's sort of like a lack of explanation as to how we're supposed to rejoice always. Uh, gotcha. Right. Like there's a lack of explanation on how that's supposed to happen. But the expectation is always very high Mm. as to uh, many of us being part of uh, faith communities to be joyful always. Right. right? And so here's here's a few of the problems. For one, uh, Perry, you a lover of words. Yes. Uh, Let's begin with the meaning of the word. All right. Because uh, whether it's in Hebrew or Greek or even in English, the word joy in of itself, take it outside of the religious context, right? The word joy in of it itself, basically what it means is like a really intense happiness. Okay. And the occasions for joy, right, are not <clears throat> present all the time. Okay. Like, for example, if you think about the things that have, like, brought you legitimate, like, unbridled joy in life, there are not things that happen all the time. Right? Right. Like, you have a kid. I'm sure that you were very joyful. Very much so. When your daughter was born. Right. I have two children. Both times, I was super joyful when my my children were born. We were both married. We were very happy the day of our wedding. (laughs) Right? Like, joy, again, because it is sort of like this superior happiness, is very much attached to occasions. Yeah. Right? And, you know, even like with my children, recently uh, it was my son's birthday, and my, my son loves Hot Wheels cars, loves them. 
we don't understand why, but he has like almost every birthday and every Christmas, all he wants are cars. Right. Right? And at the same time, my son is not one of those kids that is just like constantly asking for stuff, mm. right? And so when he really wants something, we're really inclined to give it to him. Sure. And so his birthday just passed. Uh, his birthday was in uh, May, May 1st. Mm. And uh, he really, really wanted this thing called the Hot Wheels Super Mega Garage. Ooh. I think that's what it's called. I want that too this, now. This thing, <laughs> let me tell you something. This thing is the sweetest toy. Like this is this toy, Perry, is what childhood dreams are made of. Like I'm not lying to you. It's this tall. It's four levels of a parking garage that's supposed to fit like literally hundreds of Hot Wheels that's cars. That's wild. And he's been asking for this thing. Like he asked for it for Christmas, and we couldn't get it to him because it's not a cheap thing. Right. But he's been like just persisting and persisting. Like this is what I want. <laughs> So his birthday come around, and we're like, you know what? We're going to get it for him. Right. And so we ordered it, and something happened where, like, the date that it was supposed to come, it just never came. That's the worst. Yes. And for a week, like, so it was supposed to come on May 1st, and it didn't get there. And then we got a message, like, it's coming in five days. Did he know it was coming? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and so, like, he was waiting for the day came, and, like, he was super sad. But then when we told him, like, hey, we'll be here in five days, he was like, okay. And every day, every day, he would go to the door, right? At least twice a day right. to see if the gift finally came. <laughs> and five days came by, and the gift was still not here, right? And we just had to, like, cancel the order and reorder it. Right. But because this this toy was uh, came out, like, two years ago, mm -hmm. so now anybody that sells it to you is people that buy toys and resell them. Sure. And so uh, the only way I could get it is through eBay. And the person that was sending it to me was literally in Oregon. <laughs> and you know how eBay people were. Oh, they yeah. send shipping like the cheapest way possible. Yep. So this thing took a whole week to get here. So now we're two weeks removed from his birthday. <laughs> and my son like really wants this thing. And I'm saying you this whole long story. Right. Just to tell you that when the day finally came, when this thing came, like my son was dancing <laughs> and he was pirating and his arms were up like he saw this thing and he was like completely and absolutely filled with right. joy right right and we understand that like that's right. how joy works yeah and so philippians 4 4 exists and many of us know it and again the expectation is that we would live up to that right and so I, I do think uh, and I, I want to talk about sort of how to achieve that like how do we Rejoice always. Right. But I also want to talk about, I think, some of the wrongful expectations that we apply with the concept of joy. Okay. Because even biblically speaking, right, uh, the Bible does present joy as an occasional thing. Right. So, I, and I want to do this through scripture. So if you turn with me to uh, Exodus 18, or if you just want to listen, Perry, whatever you want to do. I just want to share a few scriptures with you to make my point here. All right. In Exodus 18, in verse 9, and just to give you a little bit of context, uh, this is Jethro talking with Moses, right? It says, uh, well, we'll start in verse 8. It says, Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh uh, and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and all the hardship that had come upon them and the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Mm. 
And again, what seems to be happening here is that Jethro wasn't there for all the events of the Exodus. And uh, basically, Moses is giving him the news and telling him what happened. Right. And Jethro's like, oh, man, this is awesome. Again, he is rejoicing. Right. And very much that is appropriate. That is an right. appro- But again, this is occasional. Right. Like the the Jews weren't freed from the Egyptians every day. Right. And he didn't Jethro didn't hear the news all the time. Right. So like his natural inclination is to like, oh man, that this is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Rejoice, right? Uh Psalm sixty five. You are hearing the rustling of pages. I like a physical Bible. <laughs> I do too, typically. Yes. So Psalm 65 verse 11 it says you're crowned the year uh, you crown the year with bounty your wagon tracks overflow with abundance the pastures of the wilderness overflow the kills gird themselves with joy and just to give you a little bit of context oh Psalm 65 is basically talking about uh, the abundance of harvest basically and so th- again this is talking about how like in it's personifying the fact that like the bounty is plentiful and the hills rejoice. And again, right. the hills don't always rejoice. The hills rejoice when there's harvest. lots of stuff to harvest. Yeah. Right? Again, an occasional thing. Mm-hmm. But see, and again, so the Bible does describe occasionally right. joy as being this occasional thing. Right. Right? And even and this is this goes for the old and the new testament. Like in Luke two, uh when Jesus' birth is announced, like the angel tells Mary and Joseph, like, "Hey, these are news that are going to re- bring joy to the whole world." Right. Right. Like the 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 Messiah is going to be born. Right. And and I think like that's news that I think could always make us happy. But the context in which it's said is like, "Hey, these are news. Right. These news will make people joyful." Right. And and so again, so this concept of occasional joy does exist in the Bible. And I think part of the the what's hard to wrap our minds around this whole thing is that there's also verses in the Bible that describe joy during times that don't make sense. Mm. And for example, if you turn to Second Corinthians six, we'll start in verse one, and this is one of my favorite passages in uh, the book of Corinthians, and well, in both letters, it says, uh, "All right, Second Corinthians uh, six, starting in verse one, it says." Working together with uh, with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, in a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now this is a favorable time. Behold, now this is a day of salvation. We put no obstacles in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found in our ministry. But as servants of God... We commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in affliction, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, <laughs> labors, <laughs> labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, though honor through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying, and behold, we lived, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. It's an awesome scripture. 
Yeah, dude, this this passage is awesome. <laughs> but again, the interesting thing is that pertains to the conversation that we're having, right? Is as in verse ten it says, "As sorrowful and yet always rejoicing." Right. Right. And so the question is, is like, how does that make any sense? Mm. Even if you go to Hebrews twelve, so in uh, Hebrews twelve in verse one it says, "Therefore." Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the, the cross, despising the, the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, if you're familiar with Jesus' story, right, you know that he endured a great deal of suffering, right, of, of physical pain. He was crucified, and he was beaten, and he was flogged, and he was mistreated, and his right. trial was horrible, and all of those things, right? Right. So we know that. We also know that before it all happened, right, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is in deep, deep sorrow. Mm -hmm. When you read the Gospels, right, at no point— do you ever get the impression that Jesus was happy right. about what he was going through? Right. And yet this tells us that sort of what propelled them forward was joy. Right. Right? And again, I feel like we present all of these uh, all of these verses to people with the expectation that they be joyful, right? But I feel like we rarely explain how that's supposed to work. Right. Because I think, and let me let me say this, because I think this is important to say, I think for some reasons that are valid and for some reasons that are invalid, right, we tend to think of emotion, and, and particularly certain emotions, with uh, a negative light, if that makes sense, particularly in, in as it pertains to Christianity. And I think... I think there is some foundation to that because I do think that emotion has the potential to bring some of the worst in us, right? But the reality is, like, if you read, which I'm doing right now, for example, like, one of the things uh, I've been reading through the book of Psalms, and one of the things that I'm constantly surprised by is how emotional David was. Right. Right? Like, David expresses deep sorrow and great happiness and... Uh, and even, like, I think what could be best characterized as some disrespect <laughs> towards God at times. Right. Right? But, like, David is very honest about how he's feeling with God. Right. And and even Paul, like, even when he talks about, like, hey, like, we being deeply sorrowful and dead joyful, like, he's experiencing both. Right? And, again, we don't get the impression that at any point— Jesus, like, was doing what he was doing with a smile on his face, going like, oh, man, this is great. Right. Right? And I think that that's sometimes the expectation that we have when we tell people to rejoice. Yeah. Right? That no matter their circumstance, they sort of completely ignore mm -hmm. what they're going through and just, like, uh, I guess, manufacture this joy from someplace. Right? Right? And, and really, the key is understanding where that joy is supposed to come from, right? But again, like, I think a lot of times we have the expectation without really having the explanation right. of where that joy comes from. 
Right. And and I think I think you put that in a really good way. The one thing that I think everybody who is a Christian needs to understand is that God made humans and there is value in humanity because of that. What God didn't make was robots. Right. So the human emotions that we have, they all have purposes. They're, they're there for a reason. And, and, and they're a reflection of the emotions that God has. And I think we miss the point of Christianity when we teach it in such a way that we share with people or we tell people that we have to be robots, that we have to turn off certain emotions uh, in order to become these weird, you know, Stepford Wives, you know, kind of like, ha-ha, you know, the world is falling apart, yet right. I smile. <laughs> like, and I think about the scripture also in Hebrew, it's in Hebrews 4. We're going to look at a lot of chapter, fourth chapters uh, today, but it said, it's talking about Jesus, the great high priest. It says, that, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Now, that part is important, the hold firmly. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize right. with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And I think the greatest temptation was there in the garden when he was sorrowful. Right. So I think the scripture is at the same time talking about his struggle with sin, but talking about his struggle with emotions as well, that he was feeling these things. Right. And then it says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Mind you, it refers to God's throne as the throne of grace, right? Um, and then it says, so that we may receive mercy uh, and find grace to help us in our time of need. Right. And I, I think that's the first thing that as we have this discussion and conversation and we talk about joy, um, what we have to realize is that it it is circumstantial and that as we are all wayfarers in this world, um, we are going to have a plethora of emotions. And the key is not to turn them off. Right. The key is not to numb them. The key is not to turn a blind eye to them and take joy and just kind of plaster it on our chest and say, no, I'm going to just be happy no matter what. But it's to understand, one, um, that we have our emotions for a reason. Right. Uh, and two, those emotions, I honestly think, are supposed to get us more in tune with God. Um, and then... Three, I, I think he talks about holding on to the faith we profess. I think joy and the idea of rejoicing always, and I know we'll get to this, has more to do with less of how you feel in the moment. Uh, and It's more of uh, like an anchor that we can always grab onto when our emotions tend to try to bury us right. and, and flood us. And because and, we... I think that's the difference between us and God. You know, I mentioned this in the holiness conversation, but um, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. And I think that scripture has multiple, multiple applications, but certainly, like, every emotion is permissible. Like, right. you're right. going to feel everything <laughs> at some point in your life, and your feelings aren't sin. Right. But will we allow our emotions to master us? Right. And I think that is the what joy is supposed to do, that we have an anchor, a rope to hold on to when these things are overwhelming us or flooding us. Joy is the thing that we can grab on to. And, and as First John says, remember that God is greater than our hearts. Right. That at the end of the day, sadness does not have to turn into despair. True. 
you know, well, let me, because uh, I do want to say something to what you just said, which is which was very good. But I do, I do want to mention this because I think it's important. Um, you know, one of the uh, in 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 our home, mm-hmm. uh, my wife Rachel and I were big fans of uh, Brene Brown. I don't know if you know who that is. Mm-mm. She's a I don't know. She's a professor, I think, at the University of Texas or University of Houston, one of the two. Gotcha. Uh, but basically, she she has uh, studied. Um, she has done most of her research on vulnerability. Mm. And uh, she does these talks that are amazing. And even on Netflix right now, uh, she's not a sponsor. She doesn't even know me. It'd be nice to meet her, though. <laughs> uh, but basically, she she does all these all these talks about vulnerability. And one of the things that she talks about is how most of the time when we're trying to deal with our emotions, one of the things that we do is that we numb them. And... Um, one of the things that research on emotions has shown is that we can't selectively numb things that when we try to numb our sadness, right. By binging two seasons of friends on Netflix. Right. Right. Or when we try to numb our, uh, our sadness, uh, or our despair with drugs, for example, Mm -hmm. that in fact, what we're doing is that we're numbing everything. Right. Right. And I think one of the dangers in us just expecting people to just be happy, right, and sort of ignoring what they're going through, ultimately what you're asking them to do is to numb whatever it is that they're feeling mm-hmm. and replace it with something else. But the problem is that, like I said, numb doesn't the, us numbing our feelings doesn't work selectively. Like we either numb all of them or we don't. And it's really interesting. And, and I've had this conversation with a lot of uh, uh I guess men that have grown up with really stoic fathers, mm. right? Because if uh, if your dad, like, and there was a time, uh, even so, uh, in our society, that sort of the expect the the perfect picture of a man was this man that was unmoved by anything, <laughs> right? Like, right. you know, bad times came and this man was a rock, right? Right, and and so I do think that there's a there's a big generation of people that that grew up with very unemotional very stoic dads, right? But the problem with that is because that was the expectation. Yeah, when times of trouble came, like this guy was a rock, but when times that were supposed to be joyful came, there was no expression of that either. Right. Right? And that's because we we, we numb all of those things together. Yeah. And so our expectation sometimes on people to not feel sad and replace it with joy kind of contradicts the way even our body works because you can't, Express one without the other, right? And um, and I think, and and I've seen a lot of times like people that that have, uh, that have a hard time dealing with their emotions, right? Like, either uh, they sort of express none, or they express it like in an explosion of stuff. And I think if we're honest, a lot of times when we try to suppress our emotions, eventually what happens is like a boiling point comes and then it pops. Right. And sometimes it pops at like the worst times. Right. Like during Christmas dinner, for example. Right. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. And so I think it's important for us to understand like even sometimes the things that we expect. And I think, and I don't want to make it seem like uh, any of this is evil. Right. Because I don't think like by and large, I feel like most people are well-meaning and most people uh, are trying to live up to scripture, man. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I sincerely believe that. Like, uh, I was even before we started. I, I mentioned about this time that I was uh, sitting th- through a sermon, and the person that preaching said that uh, you know if somebody was frowning 
at church during the congregation, like he would question that that person's righteousness. And I was mm-hmm. just like, I like, and I understand the spirit with that, with which that is said, right? Like right. if you're at church, it's a time of praise. It's a time of, uh, certainly it's a time of serving. Right. It's a time in which you're giving to God. Right. And, and sort of like somebody seeing somebody that looks angry isn't necessarily, doesn't match up to that. Right. right? And I, and again, I understand the sentiment of that being said. Sure. But in my mind, I'm like, what if that person like has legitimately gone through, like had just received terrible news right, right. before into walking in church and right. they're thinking about it. Right. And they look like something is happening and we just go like, well, that person isn't righteous. Right. And, and again, I understand where the, that sentiment would come from, but I think it also, uh, in the end, I think it reveals, um, this expectation that I think comes from a very good place that at times we don't necessarily, uh, understand again, the, the mechanics of the joy that God wants us to have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 what comes to my mind as you're saying this, I don't know if you've seen that. It's a short clip of, of Shaq. Um, he's eating a pepper and, and the, I guess the challenge was like, he was not supposed to have any reaction, right? So he eats this pepper and, you know, he's trying to be all stoic and, and strong, but like this pepper is hot. And so after a while, he kind of coughs and then his eyes start and he starts crying. And, and, and like it, it just wells up because his body is designed to react to pain and that kind of stuff in a specific way. And in the same way, like our emotions, in a sense, have nerves and they're, they're going to be agitated and your and your body is going to respond. And I think it's. It's clearly a misunderstanding to take Philippians 4, rejoice always, and and think that means to be happy in every situation because, like, there were multiple times in Scripture where Jesus himself wasn't happy. Right. And either he is not adhering to the plan of God, to the Scriptures, uh, but we know he is the Word, so he is Scripture. So, uh, you know, I think instead of taking a Scripture out of context and coming up with our own idea of of what it means, like the best thing to do is to look at Jesus and to see what did that mean for him? Because it didn't mean to suppress all emotions. And then I'll just read the scripture in James four, um, uh, in verse six, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Now that seems like a very positive thing to do. Right. To submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. Amen. Right. Uh, and he will flee from you. That's an awesome situation to be in. Come near to God and he will come near to you. And you would think that God coming near to you uh, would make you as joyful as humanly possible. But then he commands them to wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, yeah, obviously here in James 4, he's addressing a very specific situation of of people who were being sinful in the church, and he's telling them to humble out and and submit to God. But it's clear here that, as Ecclesiastes says, there's a time for everything. And in some situations, running around smiling and rejoicing isn't the appropriate response. <laughs> like, you shouldn't do that. If somebody dies, you shouldn't go there laughing and smiling. Right. You know, oh, who cares? Like, no, we are su- our emotions are supposed to make us in tune w- with God. And I, when, I, when I say that, I mean, like, 
God feels certain things about things that happen in the world. Right. And we do too. And I think he gives us emotions so that we can see eye to eye with him. And I think oftentimes we don't. And so we feel all kinds of stuff about the wrong things. You know what I'm saying? It's like I always think it's odd that people will see a commercial um, about puppies who were abandoned on the street, and they will get so emotional and sad. Um, I can't even watch that commercial. Right, I know right. What you're talking about. But but then there are commercials about orphans and stuff, right. human beings that we don't bat an eyelash at, or a movie where you know human beings die all the time, but a dog dies in the movie, and everybody is flipping out. You know, and you know, hey man, dogs are cute. I understand it, but I think sometimes we feel so emotional about the wrong things. Right. But what I'm not saying is. Is that like, you know, we should really make sure that we're feeling the right emotions about the right things. Like, you're going to feel stuff at the end of the day. Right. And and that's not a bad thing is what I'm saying. Um, but I do think God allows us to go through these things. One, because we're not in heaven yet. And we are wayfarers. And we, we, we everybody is just trying and trying to figure it out. And God is a God of grace. And he wants us to... Um, above all else, be honest with him, which right. is why I think David comes across as disrespectful sometimes. Right. Because God doesn't want some, you know, sugar-coated, like, well, God, I'm submitting to you. Like, no. Right. God's like, be honest with me. Let's have a conversation. Share with me how you feel. Because at the end of the day, God cares right. about how we feel. Yeah, no, it's true. And and so now that we've sort of talked about uh, what joy shouldn't be, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about how sorrow and joy can exist in the same place. Mm. And I think talking about a place is the best way to describe it. Okay. Because I think, and this idea, again, we, you know, we started this podcast reading scripture in the Old Testament about occasional joy, uh, but also the New Testament uh, about occasional joy. But now we could do uh, sort of the same on both, uh, sort of this idea that you can experience joy in, Circumstances don't make sense um, because – so here's the thing. Uh, in in uh, Exodus, and I won't turn there just for the sake of time because we don't want this to be super long. Um, in Exodus, right after um, – again, then it's pretty uh, normal. Right after uh, the Jews are freed, right, uh, it makes sense that they're joyful, right? But there's also – there's also times later when uh, there's like they're supposed they're in the wilderness right. right and they're supposed to find joy right not in their current situation but in what's coming right right and so one of the things that was supposed to create joy in them was thinking of this future in which they were going to have their own land right. Paul talks about many times sort of the the joy that the idea that he's going to go to heaven, right, presents to him. Even though he's in terrible circumstances, he knows why he's doing what he's doing right. and what reward he will receive from doing those things. Right. And so the only reason why sorrow and joy can exist in the same place is because sorrow is based on our current circumstance, right? Right. But joy is literally us looking forward to 
what's coming. Right. Like the scripture that we read in Hebrews 12, it's the same thing. Like obviously what Jesus goes through in his crucifixion isn't source for happiness. Right. But understanding like, hey, what I'm doing is going to save everyone. Right. Right. right? Like, dude, that is a source of joy. Right. And the the how I've come to understand it, and the, this is the best way I can describe it. Think of a graph, mm-hmm. right? And this is uh, X is time and Y is uh, your level of happiness. Okay. Right? And so let's pretend you have a really miserable life. Right. So your graph line is going to be like really low. Sure. Right? But now imagine that in that graph line, even though it's pretty low because your life is pretty miserable, right? And we're not talking about like like some person that thinks their life is miserable. Like we're talking about like somebody who is poor and oppressed and just legitimately has a terrible life right. circumstance. Right. Like that's who we're talking about, right? But this person is a Christian and their life legitimately stinks, mm-hmm. right? How I think that graph should look like, right? Again, that graph is going to be really low because this person doesn't have much reason to be happy. Right. Right. But this person is also a disciple of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. And in their misery, if you will, every day. Right. Say we're tracking a day. Right. And within those 24 hours, this low, this bar is pretty low. And then there's a spike and then the spike goes down. Right. And then another hour goes by and boom, spike again. Right. And then the spike goes down. What those spikes ought to be, Perry, is us thinking of our eternity. Right. Right? Like, that's what it ought to Like, that's how joy and misery can exist in the same place. Right. Because even though we're here physically, right, even though our circumstances can be horrible, right, our joy isn't based on something uh, carnal. Right. It's based on something eternal right and that's how we can rejoice in the lord because the lord is the one that gives us this hope and even like last week we talked about faith right right? at the end of the day being able to produce joy in a moment in a moment of sorrow right is through faith right in our assurance of what we know is coming right and it's almost like our sadness may exist on this plane, but our our joy exists on a heavenly one. Right. Right. And that's that's how we that both things can exist at the same time. Right. That's how I can be like. That's how Paul can say, "I'm deeply sorrowful and yet always rejoicing." Right. That's right. how can that's how he can expect people in Phili- in Philippi to rejoice. Always, mm-hmm. right? And, and again, like, let me reiterate again what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that you ignore or that you stop feeling uh, the pain or the sorrow or the despair or right. the loneliness or any of these things that you're feeling. But what it means is that in the midst of that, right, you can look to something that is far greater to any of those things and legitimately have a peak of happiness because you know, you know what? This really sucks, man. Right. And I'm really sad and I'm really lonely and I'm really oppressed, but you know what? Like this is not going to last forever. Right. And what's going to last forever is completely the opposite of any of these things. Right. So two things come to my mind, you know, later on in Philippians four, um, 
let's see here, in verse 11, um, he says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in all circumstances, right? This is that famous scripture that everybody takes out of context. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And I think it's interesting that he doesn't say I can be joyful through all things, you right. know, through him who gives me strength. He talks about this idea of contentment, right? This idea of being okay with being sad, right? right? Okay with, with being upset or with being hungry or, or with being angry even. Um, but but I, I think it's, it's important that we acknowledge he says I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And what that doesn't mean is like, yes, I can literally do anything through God who strengthens me. That's, that's not what he's saying. But up here, when he says to rejoice always, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. To all. Right. And, and I think the thing that settles in my mind about all of this is at the end of the day, God is trying to teach us how to treat other people well. And I think the danger in not being a joyful person, the danger in letting go of the joy that is in God's hope and grace and in heaven um, is to allow our emotions to overcome us, to become us, and then we treat people based on our emotions. emotions right. And, and, and be, when, when we do that, we treat people terribly. We, we don't listen to this. So I think if you're listening to this podcast or you're watching it and, and it comes to your mind, like, well, what is some evidence that I am a joyful person? Well, I think how you treat people. Is, is your gentleness evident right, to, to all. all? Because I think at the end of the day, joy should bring about in you uh, the righteousness that God desires. Um, we know that anger doesn't do that, right? Right, right. <laughs> but joy should bring that out. So I, I think in my mind, the, the conclusion and, and the thing that you know I would walk away from this conversation with is like the practical of it doesn't mean you're smiling in everybody's face all the time, right? But it means that you are treating everyone well, whether your day is going bad or not. You know that that nothing gives you the excuse to scream at your wife or to be rude to your neighbor, or to curse at your brother. Nothing gives you the excuse to do that, because at the end of the day, that person is a human being who is to be valued and respected and loved like Jesus. And joy, yes, it can help us to um, work through our emotions, but more than that, it can teach us to live like Jesus, even when our circumstances and our feelings don't feel like it. Yeah, you know, uh, let me just close with this thought, and that is, that, that is an awesome thing to say. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think one of the things that we're saying is that uh, joy should trump everything else, but not, and I want to make sure that I say this right, because we just spent a long, long time talking about this, but what I mean by trumping isn't that it cancels everything right. else. Right. Like, joy is not supposed to cancel everything right. else, but it is supposed to be superior to mm, it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's supposed to be greater right. than whatever it is that you're legitimately feeling. Right. Right. And I think it's important that we that we state that. Yeah. That we we're not saying to be joyful over anything else. We're saying to be to be joyful and something else. Right. 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 And again, the only reason why that exists is because ultimately whatever is the source of of our pain, whatever is the source of our sorrow, whatever is the source of our despair right, isn't as great right. as the source of our joy. Right. 
And and again, where we can find joy for all of these things, through all of these things, is is because of of not. Uh, it's really because of where our joy comes from. Mm. And I think in that sense, and I think even when we're trying to help people uh, be joyful, that's really what we ought to direct people towards. Yep. Not for them to ignore their situation or for them to just change their mood, but to say, you know what, like what you're feeling is valid and it, it makes sense or or maybe it, maybe it doesn't even mm-hmm. make sense. And it's sort of like what you were saying, like, because I think this, this goes for anger too. Like you can be mad about something. Right. Right. And what we're talking about is that even in your anger, you can find joy yeah. because – the source of your anger will never be as great mm. as the source of your joy. Absolutely. And that's ultimately what we're talking about Absolutely. here. That's, I think that's ultimately where I want it to end because in, in that sense, right, Philippians 4.4 4 makes absolute sense. Right. That we will always have reason to rejoice yes. in the Lord. Amen. So with all that, uh, thank you so much for listening slash watching uh, one of the things that I am hoping this uh, conversation leads to is a greater conversation about uh, feelings in general mm. and emotions. So if you want to hear slash watch that, let us know in the comments and uh, we shall work on it. Thank you so much for watching, listening, and uh, make sure that you share this with all of your friends if you enjoy it. And uh, like our Facebook page or our YouTube channel, whatever it is that you're watching this, or subscribe to our podcast if you're listening. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you so much for your time. And we'll catch you on the next one. Peace out.